morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Gonzo, also known as Super G, is joining us. And we got Jenna X joining us on this Tuesday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Grayscale won their case against the SEC this week, potentially greenlighting Bitcoin ETFs in the USA. As tokenization of treasuries has begun on the XDC network, marking the beginning of what many are predicting to be a multi-trillion dollar market. And with Ripple employees stating an inflection point is coming in the next two to three years, we break down the details, showing our community how 2025 could be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we got a hurricane in Tampa this morning, so I'm not sure if I got Wi-Fi issues, but I'll try to hang in there. How do you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. You know, guys, I just want every war maniac who's watching this show and to know how dedicated Abs is. His ass should be out of there heading down to a safe zone. Instead, he's like, I'm staying here and I'm doing the shows. So kudos, kudos to Abs. We love you, brother. Be safe. Good morning to all the war maniacs out there. I love and appreciate you guys. Just as dedicated as that man right there. And it's so great to see Gonzo and Jenna. Oh, man, I can't wait to hop into it, guys. Great to see you guys. Thank you, Johnny. I appreciate it, man. And we got Gonzo joining us. Super G, how you feeling this morning? And thanks for being here. I'm feeling good, man. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, you know, Habs was off the hook. He called me yesterday, and there was a, a potential that maybe I was going to host so that he can get to safety. But then we talked this morning. And so, yeah, man, j- just be safe. And, uh, you know, we're praying for everybody in Florida. But, yeah, man, it's going to be a great show. Like you saw, we got a little bit of a price pump. I, I think Bitcoin got rejected at that 27.5 level. But we got like a little 5% pump right after the news of the, of the Grayscale thing that we're going to talk about later. Very exciting. And Jenna, I'm excited to have you as well. We got a bunch of great news prepared and we're going to talk about the Grayscale case, but how about a Ripple employee stating we're only two or three years away from a major inflection point? That is super bullish news for our listeners. How are you feeling, Jenna? And thank you for making time for us. Good morning, Ebs. I am feeling fabulous. I am kind of a little nervous for you, ready to get this show on the road and get your butt out of Florida. Um, so you could definitely be safe. That is some crazy awesome news. Two to three years. And you know, that's coming straight from the horse's mouth. This lady has been working with Ripple for like seven years, right? And I'm sure she sees everything. So really, really awesome bullish news. I'm excited to get into all the topics this morning. And good morning to all the warrior maniacs. Thank you, Jenna. And we already have 190 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and get ready for an exciting episode. We're going to start this thing the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We're giving updates throughout the day. When we look at some of the daily movers, Johnny, it is green bubbles across the board. We've got every single token up about 3% this morning. And I think That could be coming off the Grayscale news. And Johnny, we're about to do something live on air we've never done before, which is show our listeners the Merlin Market Update page. But I didn't have it pulled up, so they get to see my bookmark tabs as well, which is pretty exciting. (laughs) (laughs) We're sitting at $1.09 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at $27,400, and we're seeing a massive bullish candle up about 5% on the day from the Grayscale news. Ethereum is 1700 XRP is $0.54 cents, and Cardano 
up about 5% as well, sitting at 28 cents. And Johnny, we had a great conversation during yesterday's episode as Charles Hoskinson was making the case that Cardano could be the center of a new digital economy. We're starting the show with your opinion. What do you think? Is your friend Charles right on that one? Hey, my friend, here we go with this guy again. <laughs> I don't know Charles from anything, just so anybody. I've never even spoken to him. But nonetheless, you know, and I like Charles' technology. I like Cardano. I think it'll have a place to play. Do I think it's going to be, you know, the king coin to rule them all? No, I, I don't think so. I've, you know, I've been very consistent saying that. Ethereum already has that crown, so we'll see what happens in the long run ads. But do I think... Cardano has the ability to be better, more efficient, you know, problem solving solution in the long run. Sure. I mean, it's got a head start because it's a newer technology. It's going to have, you know, it's another, it's a second, you almost kind of think of it as a second iteration when you're developing something. Right. And so from that perspective, you don't have a place to play. I mean, Charles, I don't think is wrong. And when you look in GitHub, they're one of the most, you know, highly used by developers from that perspective. So I think it'll have a place to play apps, but, Again, the jury's out. We'll see how adoption, um, you know, we'll see if there's a killer app that comes out of it that really drives the use case. Johnny Crypto, this is a pretty exciting video. As yesterday, a bunch of our friends, Brad, uh, Brad Kimes, Digital Asset Investor, they were all playing this clip from our interview with Mark Yusko on their Twitter account. And we aren't going to play the whole thing right now, but I wanted to get the opinion of Gonzo and Jenna when it comes to this video. Mark Yusko was explaining how the elites always have a plan. And if the elites were to look at this market today, they would choose XRP. But what's really interesting, guys, is if Mark Yusko is just coming to this realization, how early are we when it comes to mass adoption? And so this is very interesting. So if they, pretty smart people, had a chance to look out at the available options and they chose XRP, as opposed to Ethereum or, or something similar. Hmm. There's information content there. That, that's interesting to me. Flip it around. So it's very interesting to me, Gonzo. And the fact that Mark Yusko is finally acknowledging this stuff. We got him thinking, Abs. We had him thinking. It really goes to show just how far these conversations have come. The first time we interviewed Yusko, he didn't know what XRP was, or at least he pretended that he didn't understand the technology with us. So to see him acknowledge that, it's pretty exciting. Let's kick it to you and then Jenna. Yeah, I, I remember. So I watched that whole show. I was at my house on the big TV and stuff. And uh, it was a great show. Good job, by the way. But, uh, you know, it, it made a lot of sense, especially when you when you look at like his theory of that, uh, what happened with JP Morgan and gold. And how we feel like they're manipulating the price of Bitcoin to, to get in at cheaper prices. And then you look at XRP and I stare at this chart day in and day out. And the more and more I study it and the more and more I see the moves, the more and more manipulation I see, the more and more price suppression I see. Like we should have higher prices at certain points in time and they're just not there. So it started like this bigger, like down the rabbit hole of, that does make a lot of sense that they're manipulating the price, keeping it down while they pack their bags, and then they're going to let this thing run, right? So, you know, yeah. history will tell us if we're wrong or right, but uh, I thought it was a really good point. And like I said, I stare at the chart all day, and it just there, – there's something about the chart that is just like very, very manipulated. Jenna, I want to get your thoughts as well. First of all, I want to ask you, a, I guess, an opinionated question. Do you really think this is the first time Mark Yusko's thought about this stuff, or is it all show? You tell me. 
no way this guy like he is super super brilliant there is no way in hell like he's just now thinking about this but what i think that i missed from what he was saying is the actual context like he's saying they the elites but can you give me like a little bit more context of what happened for yes. him to say this what his sources are so i had prefaced that there is a rothschild investment trust that owns a big portion of sbi and sbi owns eight percent of ripple the actual company so what we explained to yusko is that sbi is indirectly invested in ripple which is obviously promoting the use cases for xrp and what he talked about on air was if people like the rothschilds and he used the name the world economic forum and a couple other big global organizations if they were going to choose a blockchain that's the one they would have chosen. So that's kind of the question he was addressing there. Oh, he's definitely thought about this before. <laughs> I agree with you, Jenna. And Johnny, we got some pretty exciting info. I'm, I'm noticing my Wi-Fi is lagging just a little bit right now. So I'm going to buy myself some time. We got 271 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And the big news out of the SEC this morning. Well, I guess there's two big news stories, Gonto. Number one is your tweet. And this was brought to my attention just before the show. Grayscale wins their lawsuit against the SEC, and Gonzo said, watch for Bitcoin to pump and get rejected at previous support of 28K. Now, history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes, Gonzo, and a chart we've been showing throughout the week is this chart from Altcoin Daily, and check out how the bear markets or the bull markets have been in the past. When we look at 2013, we got to an inflection point and had a historical breakout. 2017, repeat of the same pattern. 2021, something very similar, but what are we seeing here? The same structure at the bottom of a bear market, Gonzo, looking for some big potential here. So I just want to ask you broadly, what do you think is going to come out of this grayscale news? This doesn't necessarily mean ETFs are coming to America, but it does mean we're one step closer. I think Gonzo's frozen. Johnny, I'm going to kick it to you until we get Gonzo back on here. Give me Can your you thoughts. Me? On the yes. Jump right in, Gonzo. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, sorry. Um, yeah. I, I think the big thing is, is that like, it's not a hundred percent, but it's one of the hurdles that we needed. Right. So basically like I, I'm still doing research on uh, the ruling, but what it seems like is that what happened is that the sec couldn't use the excuse that they were using to deny the, um, the grayscale to turn it to turning GBTC into a, a spot ETF. Right. So obviously they either need to approve it or they have to come up with a new reason because the reason that they gave so far isn't valid. And the judge kind of ruled to that. So we still have to see how it plays out. But obviously the market responded well because this was like kind of a, a major hurdle. But like we're still kind of this phase where we're still grinding down, right? That's why I knew like, hey, we're going to get rejected at 28K. We didn't even make it 20K. It's 27.5. I'm watching it right now. We're 27.3. So until we get like above that previous kind of uh, what was support and now it's going to be a resistance, then we're just kind of still ranging. Right. And we're going to need some more, I guess, positive news to kind of break us through uh, that previous um, or, or that new resistance. Johnny, we often say it's not what you know, it's who you know, but Bitcoin, they don't have an organization backing them. Right. But as we can tell for right now, and Jen, I'm going to kick it to you right after Johnny, Bitcoin leads the market. If our altcoins are going to run, Bitcoin is going to run beforehand. And these are some of the previous market cycles that we've seen before. I want to actually ask the live chat a question. Guys, if this is your first uh, Bitcoin market cycle, if this is your first four-year cycle, meaning you invested after 2021, put a one in the chat. And if you've been here for more than three years, put a two in the live chat. But Johnny, do you agree it's going to be catalysts like this that will lead us into our next massive bull market? 
Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, you, you need something to drive the news to draw everybody in, to pump it up really high so the so the big boys could dump on you. So there's going to be catalysts that have to bring this thing uh, up there. And, you know, we've talked about a couple that would be there, and one certainly being uh, approval of a spot BTC ETF is going to be probably the biggest one because that then drives a flood of money into this space, right? So you would imagine that that to me, and then if you couple that with, the timing of a Bitcoin having, you know, now you're really, really driving, you know, some serious thing. And then if you couple that with some kind of other liquidity event, whether it's printing, I don't think the Fed's doing on printing presses, but maybe there's something else. Uh, those three elements can really, really, I think, will be a combination of things that start to drive this market. Uh, I just want to go back and say one thing on the Yusko thing, just in all fairness to our man Yusko. Yusko never said, that he didn't know anything about XRP. In fact, they did their investigation on XRP. And what they came to the conclusion was that it was owned uh, 50. It was too, it was too centralized for them because they didn't want something 50% or more centralized. So they chose not to invest in it. So I just want to get the record straight for our man. Cause he comes on the show all the time. He, he, he does know about XRP and he, his team did the research. It just didn't meet their criteria originally. And so they didn't invest in it. And therefore, yeah, maybe from that point, they didn't spend more time going deeper and deeper learning about it. But but he knew enough about it to know what it does and, and its centralization ability and that kind of thing. But what I see, Abs, is it feels like he's definitely starting to think like, hey, maybe I need to put a little money in it. So I can't wait to have him on the show next time uh, to see if he's changed his mind after he does his research uh, this weekend. We we so totally I, wore him down, Johnny. We, we wore him down and yeah, turned into the, no the, doubt. The we're great. We're I got to point this out. One of the things that's a little bit, and I probably should ask Mark about this. This is not confrontational whatsoever, but they looked at XRP and said it was too centralized. It's owned 58% by Ethereum or sorry, it was owned 58% by Ripple. But when they looked at Ethereum, 70% of the circulating tokens at the time of purchase were owned by one organization and that organization would be consensus. So it is interesting, right? I'm not saying anything other than what I just stated. 58% was too much for Ripple, but 70% it's okay for Ethereum. It kind of sounds like uh, well, I, mean, I wonder Bill Hinman politics here. Uh, well, listen, save that question for when he's back on the show. You can ask him, but he's probably going to respect them. I'm just stating facts, by the way. This is not, I know. he's probably going to tell you it was still owned by individual entities rather than, a company itself and maybe that's the, the the company who knows i don't know we'll have to see guys i gotta tell you one thing a live chat put a one in the live chat if you support brad garlinghouse put a two in the live chat if you support joseph lubin because it'll tell us a lot about who's watching our show and jenna this is an article that caught a lot of people's attention yesterday afternoon as Vip, ripple's vice president said the next two years could be a tipping point for mass okay. adoption. And sorry, I played that clip a little bit early, guys. We already have over 335 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button because this is the type of intel that's going to become so important over the next two or three years. This is Ripple's vice president of corporate strategy speaking yesterday about how the banks are ready to move when it comes to blockchain. So, but we no longer hear that question. It's really more about like when and how. And in fact, a lot of the people here in this industry believe that next two or three years is going to be a tipping point for mass adoption. Well, so Jenna, we've been saying this for quite a while. At some point, utility will come into effect. And with the VP at uh, Ripple stating that right there, two to three years away from the banks using this technology, 
do you believe we're two to three years away from utility playing a role in crypto? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, listen, like you have to look and see VeChain is working with Walmart as we speak. Yeah, they first partnered like a couple of years ago and everything, but Walmart is freaking huge, but they're already using them, you know, for supply chain issues and all of this stuff to like monitor and track everything. So it's like, you know, it's not a question of if we're going to use it and everything like that. I think in the poll, it said like 90 some percent of, you know, businesses are like, yeah, we want to use it. What was it? It was a lot. 97% of professionals. That's a lot guys. And I believe I read it was like 138 million new users into crypto since 2021. That's a lot. So then in two to three more years, like I believe this and how it's going to be happening is payments. And we're going to look for the giants, like the Walmarts, the Amazons, um, and even gaming, you know, I think gaming's going to bring a ton of new users too to the space. So that's what I'm thinking, but yeah, dead, dead on. That's got to get you excited, Johnny. Gaming and gamers are moving into this space. And Susie Gemini, I completely agree with you. 589 after the Bart Simpson here. But one of the things I wanted to point out about this Ripple study, Johnny and Gonzo, is Ripple surveyed 300 payment professionals across 45 countries. Well, this new report unveiled that 100% of the respondents acknowledge the benefits of utilizing blockchain and cryptocurrencies in their payment processes. Now, additionally, 97% of professionals believe that blockchain and crypto would substantially influence payment systems over the next two to three years. And so it's always difficult when you're putting dates on these things, right, Johnny? But for the, the most powerful people in the world when it comes to finance, announcing we're only two to three years away, this seems to me like the first time ever we could actually see utility affect the market. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Well, I mean, the dates aren't important. What's important is the second part of the stage there, which talks about the fact that they believe over the next several years, the technology will be in play because that's what matters. And there's no question. There's no question. That's where we're headed. No doubt about it. Abs. To me, what's important is the, the long-term use and in, 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 in adoption of it and utility of it. And that takes a long time. It isn't going to be two to three years. I mean, look how long it took for Amazon to get to $3,300. It took 20 years, okay? It took 20 years to get to where Amazon is today. So even though these technologies start getting adopted and used in the next year or two, it isn't going to be fully utilized by the world and have that full-blown utility where everybody's expecting maximum price until you get maximum utility. And maximum utility is what we should be talking about, you know, or at least understand the difference between starting – and a couple banks or a couple things using it versus the whole entire world using the blockchain technology, right? There's a difference there, and that's important for people to understand. But nonetheless, what's exciting about it is you want to see that first stake in the ground. You want to see that first utility actually happening after tens and 15 years of talking about cryptocurrency. We might actually finally, when did Bitcoin start? To 2009, something like that, right? 2009. So we might actually finally start to see real utility in 2025, right? That's almost, you know, what is that? 14, 15, 16 years later, just for the start of it. Then it's going to take another 5, 10, 15 years for full-blown utility around the whole world. You know, maybe faster, but my point is I don't want people to think utility means you flip the switch and the whole world's working on it on the same day. It doesn't work that way. 
Johnny, one quick follow-up here, and this is something I found to be pretty exciting. A quote within this article really caught my attention. She said, when I started working at Ripple seven years ago, there was a lot of skepticism and the question of does the payment industry really need blockchain and cryptocurrency? We're no longer hearing that question. And she highlighted over the next two or three years, it will mark a pivotal uh, tipping point for widespread adoption. So the fact that the correct answers are being provided to these questions is what's gotten us to this point today. I just wanted to get some thoughts before we kick it to Gonzo. Well, I think the point you're seeing here, the most significant point about there is the narrative has changed, Abs. They went from saying, you know, do we need this, right? That's a question, number one, and very important. And now we're, we're all past that question. The question is no. We know the answer. Yes, we need it. It's coming. There's no doubt. And that should be good news and a sigh of relief for everybody listening here and in the chat and everywhere because we know now crypto's here to stay. Now the next thing is, okay, now it's here. Okay, now we got to build the freaking thing, right? That's like now you say, okay, we're going to build the house. We know the spot. We're going to build it. Shit, now we got to get all the materials. We have nothing, right? We got to start building this thing from ground up. And that's where we're at today. We're just at the beginning of starting to build this baby up. And, and that's going to take what I was saying earlier, some time to happen. But man, it's going to be an exciting ride for everybody here because, guys, you got in early. If you're here and you're invested in crypto, you got in early. Be excited. Put your seatbelt on. Pat yourself on the back. Don't hurt your arm. And be excited for the ride that's about to come, Abs, because it's going to be a good – it's going to be a fun next five to ten years, I think, for us. Gonzo, we had a great conversation with NFT Tones yesterday, and we found out that 38% of millennials today – own cryptocurrency. And even more interesting for a lot of them, it's their largest investment asset. So I think as we're looking at previous bull runs and we've seen these price targets be hit before, Bitcoin going from a, a dollar to about $50. Then we saw it go from 200 bucks to $2,500. Then we saw it go from three grand all the way to 20 grand. We could see something very similar, but it's going to take new investors and it's going to take young people becoming excited about crypto. One of the easiest ways to get young people excited as a younger person, show them where the money is. When people make money in a market, that's when the college kids get really excited. So Gonzo, I want to ask you, do you think utility is going to be more of a factor during 2025 or will it be another speculation bull run? Um, I think you're going to get a uh, combination of both, right? Like if you look at the overall, it's up and to the right, but like we're approaching a part of the market where um, people get bored, where we get kind of just grinding um, like sideways, if not a little bit down, right? If you're trading, you're getting stopped out constantly, right? And people get frustrated, they get bored and they leave. But actually this is the time to be just like these protocols are building and they're furthering in the bear market. Um, these are the times that you should be building kind of your positions. Um, but like when you look at uh, where the technology is going, like you look at the layer twos that are building on Ethereum and how they're talking about like they, they, they can see the finish line. They can see the final kind of way that they're going to be set up to build uh, the base infrastructure of what they're trying to do. Right. Ethereum, like the last bull run, it was all about block space. Right. This year. Or this bull run, it's going to be about data availability, right? Which is where the gas fees are controlled. Are they going to be able to fix that, right? And then, you know, with Ripple or XRP, it was the lawsuit on its back where now it's going to be different. So what is going to be built? Um, so I, I think like Johnny says, we're still a ways away, but like we're starting to see kind of that infrastructure being built. And then when you add that with regulation and getting some clarity in the next few years, 
um, you can see that, you know, we're still very, very early, but we're kind of starting to build that base to where this thing's going to eventually go to. Jen, this is another article that really caught my attention from this morning. As the digital asset investor tweeted out, there is no delay in the IPO. PitchBook ranked Ripple as a 98% chance of an IPO. This is another example, and I hate to reiterate myself, of just how early we are. So Jenna, what does it mean to you that PitchBook gives Ripple a 98% chance of an IPO, obviously now that the SEC lawsuit is behind us? Uh, Is the SEC lawsuit behind us? Like, <laughs> we're still dealing with that. I know that we have regulatory clarity. I know that XRP is the only one with it. And 98%, that is really, really great odds. I saw the other day that they posted, Ripple posted, hey, we're going to have an XRP community meetup in New York City. And I'm wondering, I think it was end of September. I'm like, do you think we will IPO by then? <laughs> so no, I don't know. No, I do not. I do not. <laughs> no, like I'm being way too hopeful for that. No, no, um, no. I think we definitely will. I just, it's a matter of when. I'm excited about the IPO. And what's really cool, Jenna, is that we interviewed this woman named Linda P. Johnson. Is it Johnson or Jones? Um, Jones. Jones. Linda P. Yeah. Jones. And what she told us is that even after Ripple applies for the IPO, it's a six to nine month waiting process. So we Ew. haven't seen that application be filed yet. So it tells me we're at least six to nine months away. But this is exactly what Jenna was referencing earlier, Johnny, as Ripple made a big announcement today. We are hosting a community celebration on September 29th in New York City. Stay tuned for more details. And guys, I think you're going to see some of us there. I'm looking forward to being there. I'm going to do my best to make it out. But Johnny, how do you feel about the Ripple celebration officially being underway in September? Well, I'm going to be there, but I love, I love, the, I love the meme below. Is Gary going to be there? <laughs> that is priceless. That is just priceless. But um, you know, abs. In terms of an IPO, listen. When you do an IPO, you do you got to be smart about it. Look at when Coinbase did their IPO. They launched it at the peak. At the it was peak. the. It ended up being the top at of the, the peak uh, of the bull run. The all right? They, they yep. sold at the peak. Ripple's not going to be. Uh, you know, they're 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 not stupid, right? They're, I'm trying not to use the R word. They're they're not stupid. They're going to end up um, launching the, if they do an IPO, which they will. There's no question about it. Especially the and you know they'll probably do it now in between the ruling before they wait for another ruling. It would make sense for them to do. If I had a guess, it'll be during the middle of the next bull run, middle to the end of the next bull run, where they're going to get maximum value out of the company. As a CEO, why would you ever do an IPO in a bear market? You wouldn't. It's it's it's, it's the R word. Johnny, are you saying that the Ripple IPO will be the top of the next bull run? I'm not mm-hmm. sure it's going to be at the like top. Like the top. Certainly, I, I'll That's tell you what, Gonzo, if we see that happening, <laughs> I would definitely be in the sell mode. If I were you, I'd get that sell going on because there's no doubt about it. It's going to be yeah, close sure. to the top when that happens. Um, I mean, that's my guess. I could be wrong, but I would suspect that they'll probably start gearing up, getting the paperwork ready in the next three to four or five months. Get that thing. Now, remember, the problem is <laughs> if the SEC has to approve it and the SEC is fighting with them in court. And so that's the conundrum here. That's the challenge is how do you go and get an IPO for something when the company that has to, when the, the entity that has to approve it is still suing you in court. So my guess is one of two things has to happen. Either they just try to move forward and get rejected, or they wait until the lawsuit's actually over and then apply, which is going to delay them. So, um, but to me, that's, you know, if I were them, I certainly would be trying to do it at the peak of the bull run like Coinbase did. Gone you know, I could definitely, 
I, I could definitely see that. I, I, I mean, I could always put myself in that spot. Just imagine, let's say XRP is at like $14, $15, right? And they go public and this thing rips up to 20, 22 bucks, right? Let's say low 20s and, and, and full on FOMO. Oh my God, XRP is going to $50. It's going to $100. I, I mean, I could see that. And then so we're, I, I know me personally, I'm going to lean on the technicals to tell me like when I start seeing various divergences or this thing looks topped out. And you see that mass FOMO, that, that could be the top, right? That could be, hey, it's time to pull profits and wait for this thing to come back down. We'll have to see how it rolls out. But I definitely could see something like that. Just like we saw in, in the last uh, bull run, uh, it was, you know, we had that higher high that came out. But when you think about the, the FOMO and how people were feeling, Coinbase going public was kind of the peak frenzy FOMO of everything that was going on emotion-wise. So I, I definitely could see something like that. You know, we'll have to keep an eye on it. Gonzo, you brought up the SEC, so we're going to get into this article right now. As the SEC issues a first enforcement action targeting NFTs in the United States, and specifically, this is starting off in California, guys. We got 388 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is a really exciting episode, guys, because believe it or not, XDC got some massive tokenization news, but we're saving that for the end of the episode. We got to save the good stuff till the end, keep you guys around. So Johnny, one of the things that I've noticed about this article right here is that the SEC is not targeting all NFTs. They're going after this one specific project. So the US regulators ordered a Los Angeles-based company that issued NFTs to compensate investors who bought the NFTs, arguing that the transactions were illegally unregistered securities offerings. So that was a little bit confusing. It gets much simpler right here. Impact Theory, which is the company that offered the NFTs, raked in nearly $30 million selling their tier three product, offerings that the SEC deemed to be securities. The NFTs qualify as securities because Impact Theory's team promised investors that they would profit off of the collectibles, touting them as having tremendous value. Impact Theory, they encouraged potential investors to view the purchase as an investment into the business, stating that investors would profit from their purchases of Impact Theory if it was successful. Now, here's what's really interesting, Johnny. Impact Theory is set to reimburse investors who purchase the NFTs and destroy any NFTs remaining in possession. They're also going to be paying a $6.1 million penalty to federal regulators. And Gonzo, I know you knew this tweet was coming. We went over it in prep. One of the things about these SEC lawsuits is even after the company makes $100 million, they pay about 10% of that back to the SEC. And the rest of the profit, it's for us to discuss. So Impact Theory raised $30 million for their NFT collection and settled with the SEC for $6 million. That puts them $24 million in profit. And we've seen something like this in the past as EOS was sued by the SEC for an illegal ICO where they made $4.1 billion. They ended up settling with the SEC for just $24 million and profited over $4 billion. So it sounds like as long as you're ready to pay a small fine, Johnny, you're going to be able to operate correctly here. But you give me your thoughts before we kick it around the group. The SEC, they're attacking one project. Does this make you nervous for NFT holders all over the country? Well, I mean, this is a, they're going to go around the room and collect on the big projects, right? Where the ones that are worth collecting from go around and collect. You know, there's no surprise here. We knew this when we did PCA, when we created it. We purposely did not offer NFTs and changed the way we approached, changed the way we talked about it for that very reason. It's it, Again, I always try to tell everybody, anything can be a freaking security. You know, this freaking bottle here uh, could be a security, depending on how I pitch it to the community, how, how I pitch it to people, okay? 
So obviously they broke all the laws. They broke all, they literally tapped every single portion of the Howie test, right? It's an entity. They promised the return based on their work and others gained problem. I mean, you can't, you can't write the Howie rule more better than that. So of course they were, we're going to be trampling all over that. And I'm sure, and a lot, a lot of other NFT projects did exactly the same thing. So I'll tell you what, if the SEC wanted to, man, they could spend the next five years going after all those companies and collecting, you know, big pots of money. And don't be surprised if they do. Maybe they're like, okay, you know what? The exchanges might be a little more difficult to go after based on Judge Torres ruling. Fine. We'll go after these NFT companies where there's almost no argument that they trampled all over the Howie test app. So I won't be surprised if we see a few more of these, especially like, the big ones or the, the ape ones and, you know, a few of those other big ones, who knows? We'll have to see. Depends on how they were pitched, but if they find information that they were pitched in the same way, yes, I, I do believe you'll see more of this story, more of these uh, announcements coming out. Gonzo, I want to get your thoughts really briefly. I want to preface this. What do you think about them? Who purchases anything without an, without an expectation of profit, right? I love how the SEC will throw that narrative in here. Who puts money into an investment? to lose money. I don't know, but you give me your thoughts on this whole ordeal and we can discuss it. Yeah. I mean, so when you hear the verbiage, I think it was the Coinbase attorney that kind of tweeted out and, and why the other two commissioners kind of rejected it. Cause like, look at Rolexes, trading cards, right? Collectibles. We're talking about collectibles, right? You collect them because maybe you appreciate that team or you love that team, but also because you believe it's going to appreciate in value. So does that mean that now Rolexes are securities? Right. I like impact theory. I, I think they put out um, Bayou. That's his last name. I can't remember what his first name is, but he puts out really good content that has to do with like mindset and health, uh, very similar to kind of what, what we do in our ecosystem. Right. But he's on big scale. He does a lot for like the, the surrounding community that he's at. He, he was one of like the creators of the quest, uh, like the energy bar. To, if you've ever kind of followed him. Um, but what it feels like to me, is this feels like a bottom for NFTs, right? This feels like when you look at the overall, like you have these events that happen and it signals a bottom for the NFT market. If you're into NFTs, this is your bottom right here. Them getting sued for the NFT project and the, and the stuff that's going to come out of this um, is going to be a bottom for NFTs. And do I believe that NFTs are going away? No, absolutely not, right? They're going to evolve into the next generation of what, what they're going of uh, they're kind of next, they're going to evolve to their next kind of next um, what they're supposed to be. Right. Um, because NFTs are absolutely not going away when you look at like gaming and, and the actual use case for NFTs. But like, if you're into NFTs, this is signaling a bottom for the NFT market. We thought they'd hit a bottom kind of like a, a, a I think it was last month or the month before that. But I, I promise you the supply end up being the bottom with, with these news. Yeah, just to add on to like what Gonzo and Johnny were saying, you know, you cannot, you cannot, whether it be a crypto token, an NFT, whatever with these IOUs, you cannot promise that something is going to go up in price, that it will have value. Like that is the number one thing. And it's like, I see some really cool projects and I'm like, they're marketing. It's already out there. That's how they're marketing in their white paper. That's how they're marketing it on X. And I'm like, you are a freaking moron. Like, I cannot support your project. I can't have anything to do with it. And that's why. And I just, part of me, I just wonder what is the SEC's formula for determining their fine and their settlement? We know they go after the big guys, but 
what is the formula that they use? Do they just pick a number out of the air or is this actually calculated? It's a great question. And I really think it comes down to relationships. I don't know why they decided to go after this particular project, but I bet it has something to do with who they know and what they know. But guys, I want to show you this article right here is there were some very interesting rumors about HSBC shutting down their banks this week. So we had three branches shut down with basically no warning. And this doesn't mean close. It means they're shutting down to upgrade their systems. Now, we're not going to draw any conclusions here. We're just going to provide information. But HSBC has previously acknowledged that the XRP ledger is a game changer for cross-border payments. And now we're seeing them close 340 branches uh, when it comes to specific locations. But that doesn't mean they're closing for good. They are upgrading their payment network. I don't know if they're going to use XRP. I don't know if they're working on the XRPL. But we do know they've acknowledged the technology in the past. Johnny, I'd love to start with you, and then we'll move on. Yeah, you know, this is where you want to be careful and not read too deep into here. Banks do this stuff all the time, doing upgrades and shutdowns and things like that. So who knows what's happening there? You know, it's always fun to speculate. Abs and, and sure, maybe they could be maybe doing a trial for sure. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we learned about that afterwards. Um, so, again, very interesting news. You know, we'll have to continue to keep an eye on it and see how this thing breaks out. Thank you, Johnny. And one of the things I'm pulling up for our listeners right now is a video from ECB's chief uh, officer here, Christine Lagarde, discussing how the banks are already shifting and they're excited about central bank digital currencies. You, you know my views on, on CBDCs and you know that uh, um, I have pushed uh, that project. Uh, Fabio Panetta is working hard on that together with members in the entire euro system with a high level task force that is working really hard on, on moving uh, forward. But in a way, I'm really pleased that attention is now focused on the role that cryptos can play and the role that central bank digital currency can have uh, when, when they are uh, implemented. So before she even says anything after this, why are they excited, guys? Why are they excited? Because this is the most important thing. They're going to benefit off of the technology, tracking us, Connecting your ID to your finances is the is a world superpower's dream situation. And that's what gets them so excited. So I want to get some comments from Gonzo and Jenna. What do you think about this video before we play the end? Christine Lagarde, excited about CBDCs. Why do you think she's excited? Yeah, it, she said it before, like we've seen it in previous interviews. It's about, like, they're spot on abs. It's about control, right? It, it's about having control. Um, and, and she's actually said that in, in other interviews. It's funny that um, she meant to, she mentions cryptocurrencies and CBDCs because you know I think they just want CBDCs, but maybe she's just trying to be politically correct so people don't like burn her at the stake. But uh, I, I think they have very little interest in regular cryptocurrencies and 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 more into central bank digital currencies because it's all about control and, and that's what they want. And this is really cool, Jenna. Look at this comment we got from somebody out of the UK. He said, it's an upgrade. I'm involved with, I'm involved in IT in the UK and we've in face got one tomorrow at the bank. Sounds like a typo there. But what I think he's trying to say is they're upgrading their payment systems over in the UK. How do you feel about Christine Lagarde being excited about, she even said cryptocurrency. She didn't just say CBDCs. She said crypto overall. You give me your thoughts. Yeah, no, I mean, it doesn't surprise me or anything like that. Um, if you look into like the ICE9 theory, uh, 
than the conspiracy theorists have over here in the XRP community. Um, you know, she plays a big role in that. And it is, it's all about control and everything like that. I mean, yeah, it, it's like a double-edged sword with XRP, right? Like we know that they are helping to build rails of CBDCs and everything, but we're also here for the tech and we are following the money. Do we like it? No. Can we stop it? No, it is what it is. Um, what do you say? I, I hate it. I hate the idea of control and everything like that. But, you know, what are we going to do? Well, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, she was talking a year ago, two years ago, how crypto is used for nefarious things and very bad. And all of a sudden now she actually mentioned I was actually surprised to hear her mention cryptocurrency in that in that. Abs. Now, maybe she's just trying to tie that to CBDC as one, unit, you know, ubiquitous word. And maybe maybe that's the intent here. But Normally, she's been very careful not to use that particular word. That is, for me, I think the first time I've heard her use it more in a good sense than in a bad sense. So it'll be interesting to hear if that narrative continues, you know, now they've flipped the switch or flipped it the won't. narrative. It won't, Johnny, because you know that it'll turn around and it'll say, oh, no, actually, you know, really, really stupid criminals use cryptocurrency. You know what I mean? Because yeah. guess what? You can track their wallets. It's on the freaking blockchain, people, unless you're using like Monero or something like that. But literally, Bitcoin, XRP, any kind of crypto is the dumbest thing you can use, you know, to do criminal activity, sell drugs, all that good stuff. That's why I believe, you know, in 10 years, we're not going to see have cash anymore. I think the only people using cash will be criminals. That's just my own personal opinion, like it or not. Johnny Crypto, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I want to focus on the word excited. I think that people like Christine Lagarde choose their words very, very carefully. And for her to be excited or ecstatic about these new technologies means she's gaining some personal benefits here. I'd like for you to just elaborate on that. Why do you think she's excited before we move on? Well, I, I mean, I think it's just the message of the narrative that's being conveyed out there is that, you know, this is why she's excited. <laughs> they want this to happen. So the more they talk about it, and you know, I think in, in, in general, and the more, you know, positive it is about it, the more accepted the whole thing becomes. The word cryptocurrency, the word CBDC, tie those two together, talk about them in a good light, good fashion. And, you know, and then you start to see more, more and more people saying, hey, you know what? Cryptocurrency is not a scam after all. Right. And then, then that whole narrative starts to change. And it's like, hey, CBDCs are cryptocurrency. Oh, yeah, I got to get CBC. So I don't know. Maybe that's the plan. I have no idea. Johnny, and this is a video a lot of our listeners are going to like. This is a young and handsome Brad Garlinghouse from back in 2018. Before the SEC lawsuit allowed a, added a lot of gray hairs to his head. Not too many this grays is... there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Gensler, what a shame, my friend. What a shame. But guys, we already got 401 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Alchemist says he is bullish on the Merlin shirt, Johnny Crypto. So shout out to you. But this is a video of Brad Garlinghouse explaining how banks are shifting away from Bitcoin and into better products like XRP. And let me preface, this is back in 2018. From the get-go, Ripple has worked with regulators, and we have worked with regulated institutions like banks, where there isn't regulatory uncertainty. And so we have found that part of the reason why XRP has performed well is because people realize, hey, wait a minute, you know, back to your question, is, is XRP the next Bitcoin? Back to your question is, is XRP the next Bitcoin? If we work with the system to solve this problem and we can solve that problem at scale, a problem measured in the trillions of dollars, then there's a lot of opportunity to create value in XRP. From and there's so much opportunity here, Gonzo, whether it's on-demand liquidity, tokenization of assets, or just being a bridge between central bank digital currencies, 
This is what Brad Garlinghouse was talking about. Bitcoin is contrarian to the traditional system. Well, XRP, it enhances what already exists today. Pretty exciting take there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, imagine he didn't know what was to come, right? Like they were playing ball, like they thought that it was all good. And then boom, in 2020, uh, like Johnny likes to say, they slapped them with the fresh one. Uh, but at the end of the day, like they won that case, right? We still need a little bit more to go, but it, it will have the regular the regulatory clarity that that it needs. Uh, and we'll see how far it goes. This, does it go to second, just the second circuit or does it go all the way to the Supreme Court? And do we create what's called the ripple test, like a new Howie test, right? Um, so, it, you know, it, it's exciting. Um, I, I think we're still just like the resolution of the, of the case took a few years. Um, I think that when we're talking about appeals and where this thing is going to go, it's still going to be a couple of years. Uh, nothing happens quickly when you're dealing with the court systems and appeals. Um, so I think we're going to keep debating this and talking about this, but like, this is going to take us into like the next bull run when we're, when we're talking about these appeals and these different things, unless, right. Unless we get regulation from Congress and it trumps the whole thing, but I don't think so. I mean, I think we're at the beginning stage of that, but I, you know, we need to see what happens uh, in the elections uh, next year to see if okay. that process is sped up or slowed down. Or or if they if they settle, it'll be really interesting to see. The judges asked them to get together and settle. I don't know if it's going to happen, but boy, that would certainly bring it to an abrupt ending. And then you can actually also see. And if they settle, they have. Then I would bet the probability of an IPO would be much, much, much higher if they get a settlement. And guys, this is something I I think we're going to see a lot more of in the coming months. As Fidelity could have become as big of a player in the crypto industry. As Coinbase, says a former Fidelity executive. And Gonzo, I think this is becoming more relevant than ever with the the Grayscale win this week. The SEC will have to comment on BlackRock, Bitwise, Wisdom Tree, and Fidelity, as well as a couple of others here when it comes to ETF approvals. The reason I'm drawing correlation between these two articles is because I think they're doing something that they didn't do in the past. They're not going to make the decision to sit on the sidelines and see what happens. Instead, they're going to put their feet in the ground and they're going to take part of this emerging market. What do you think? Do you believe with the grayscale news, we could see any of these approvals come this week, Gonzo? No, I mean, I think it's going to get delayed. Uh, we, Because remember, the grayscale decision is just that the SEC can't use the denial that it's been using. So it could come up with a new denial, right? And like ARC just got denied a few weeks ago. But as far as like the, what the article is talking about, like Fidelity being as big as Coinbase, um, I think it's going to be big, but not as big. And the one wild card that Coinbase has that I think people are underestimating, not financial advice, but like if you want to invest in their stock, right, is the base, right? Their layer two scaling solution um, that they have. I think it's a disruptive kind of business model. And you're going to see as this thing plays out and, and base gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? As as far as a layer two that scales Ethereum and they get all this liquidity and all this money because they, they make money off of that with the fees, right? Um, I think you're going to see other companies try to go to that model to where maybe they're not building their own blockchain, but they're building maybe some type of layer two um, so they could do the same thing so that they're an exchange and they have like a whole development side where they're building things on top of it. So I, I think at the end of the day, Coinbase will be bigger. And when we talk about major catalysts for crypto, Jenna, it's articles like this that will fuel the next bull run. As we got some breaking news from Crypto Mason, it said Twitter just got a currency transmission license 
which is required for cryptocurrency. Now, this is only in one state labeled as Rhode Island, and Rhode Island is like the size of a grain of rice here. But what I do want to point out is it's the start of a much larger movement. Crypto being incorporated into these applications, that's what's going to lead to mass adoption. So how do you feel about Twitter finally applying for this and being approved? Um. Okay, so I'm kind of torn on it. One, I think it's great, you know, for creators. I think that, you know, there will be ways for them to be monetized with that. I think it's great for sending money. I think it's great for crypto adoption as a whole. So many users on Twitter. However, with all of the regulations right now and lack of clarity in the US, it seems like a very, very risky decision on Elon's part. And, you know, I just really wonder how that's going to go. I know he loves to fuck with the SEC. So, we're going to see, it's just, it's one of those things you really have to be careful. And I hope that he does everything the right way because otherwise it could go very, very badly. Jenna, I think a lot of people forget too, right now in New York City, Elon Musk is being sued for $260 billion because of a Dogecoin lawsuit, Johnny. So to see him get involved oh in- Oh my God. I know, I know. It really is ridiculous. So you give me your thoughts, Johnny Crypto. Twitter finally starting to move towards payments. What does this mean to you? You're going to get yourself in trouble with the Rhode Islanders abs. They don't like that you call it. Hey, I'm from Boston. Rice. I'm from Massachusetts. So. <laughs> oh, you called it a piece of rice. <laughs> I, went, I, went, I did a year of college in Rhode Island just to preface. Yeah. So I feel like there you, go. That's if you live guys. there, you get to fire some shots. It's all love. There you go. It's all love. Rhode Island's a beautiful place. Great, great uh, oysters too. But um, anyway, yeah, you know, I think that at the end of the day, it's just a sign of what's to come. We know where Elon wants to play. And so I think you're going to see – you know, then move heavily into being a payment system, crypto, you know, digital based, crypto based. Elon's going to kind of probably, I think, lead that piece of evolution into the digital crypto payment space for the U.S. So don't be surprised if you see more and more news like that. And Elon is not going to be doing it alone, Johnny Cryptos. We got updates from Visa, MasterCard, and another major company that I can't remember. But this one is coming out of Visa as Visa's senior executive confirms the top of the pyramid. And he said, what I see is a remarkable acceleration in the digitalization of money over the next few years. This clip pretty much speaks for itself. Here we go. That is, you know, I believe that the digitization of money movement is, is a good thing for the world full stop. It's good for consumers. It's good for small businesses. It's good for governments. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm enormously uh, passionate about this topic so I guess my, you know, my perspective and answer to your question, Todd, is you know, what I see around the world is really um, a remarkable self in the digitization of money movement. And uh, in many parts of the world, and again, I say this as a former longtime banker, uh, I would say that you know, banks have been very focused on serving the developing world, the top part you know, pyramid, uh, you know, makes sense from a revenue generation standpoint. But what's, what the vacuum, the space that that's left in is sort of the bottom half of the pyramid, if you will. Gonzo, we had a great comment from Mark Yasko where he stated the banks right now, they make $7 trillion per year transferring between one another. So that's why we see a lot of big companies being so outspoken against crypto. They'll call the, the, the technology nefarious because it's a direct competitor to what they're doing. How do you feel about Visa's, one of their leading senior executives here, stating that the remarkable acceleration of digital assets, it's only going to continue? 
Yeah, hundred percent. Like you look at the different things that they're getting into, right? Like Visa is the one that's like trying to pioneer account abstraction, right? Trying to find a way to get around the Ethereum gas fees where uh, almost like a layer two, like I said, like Coinbase is kind of out there in the front, but you're going to see these other entities starting to kind of do similar things. They're seeing how much money that Coinbase is making, how, how it's working, how, how much cheaper it is, right? Uh, you're seeing, you're actually all around, you're seeing more transactions on layer twos than you're on Ethereum. Everything's going kind of away from Ethereum onto the layer two. So you could, I could see something like a Visa building something like on a layer two where there's very minimal fees or fractions of a cent as opposed to what it was before because of the new upgrades that are coming out, right? They're going to keep experimenting, right? Whether that's the XRPL, XDC, or one of the other blockchains, they're going to keep experimenting until they find a good business model so that they can make money, right? Whether that's on fees or they make money in a different way, they're going to figure it out because they're not just going to step aside and then let this thing go. We've always seen the connections. We've said it from day one, Johnny. It's not what you know. It is who you know. And this is another article with basically validation of just that. But we got 389 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Braden33 says, still no price action. Let's check back in 2025. But here's a great article out of uh, XDC this morning. As tokenization of U.S. treasuries arrive on the XDC network as the digital bond market grows. And Johnny, just a really quick pivot here. The market for tokenization of U.S. treasuries is up 6x in just the last 12 months, going from about $100 million to over $622 million this year. And banks did a study, and they're actually predicting they're going to see the tokenization of real-world markets, real-world assets, evolve to a $5 trillion market. And we've seen Citibank say $8 trillion, so these numbers – they get massive. But let's just get some thoughts overall. We're good friends with Quincy. We talked to him often. We had him on the Merlin Spaces, and he said this would be a huge catalyst for us. Here are less than a month later. We got some validation. How do you feel about tokenized treasuries coming to XDC and them laying the framework to capitalize on a $5 trillion market? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if they end up getting a piece of that market, the price, the market cap has to support that market. So that's a really, really bullish, bullish news for XDC. I love XDC. It's one of the horses in in my stable. So that's a good thing. Um, so, again, anytime you can get um, increased daily trade volume on an institutional basis, that's a very, very good thing for that cryptocurrency app. And that's something we want to see happen. So, you know, this is good news. Very, very bullish for XTC. And again, the one thing I don't like about XTC is it's just unlimited, unfortunately. It doesn't have a max supply. It's the one, one knock I have on XTC, but I love XTC. And uh, like I said, it was packed in the bags, ready to go, baby. Let's roll. Jenna, tokenization of assets, it's not going to happen on one blockchain. But to see that XTC is putting mm-hmm. themselves in place to capitalize on this gets me very excited. What do you think? This are you more excited about tokenization for XDC or just development on the XRPL? What gets you more excited? Oh no, you can't give me that kind of a question. I am a holder of both tokens apps. I'm really excited about both of them. I'm not gonna pick. But you know what? I remember early days of XCC and people telling me if XCC, I don't know who the hell said this, but they were like, if XCC does what it's supposed to do, it could be $40 a token. I'm like, well, I bought dumber things. So everybody knows that. So I'm like, all right, let me let me get in here. But then like the more developments you see and everything just makes you more bullish. But this is awesome. Awesome to see. I'm super bullish on XCC, super bullish, obviously on XRP. You can't give me that. You can't give me that abs. 
X tokens till I die. Am I right, Jenna? But we got 379 live listeners here. This is our last topic for today. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I am sitting in a hurricane delivering you this product. So please, this morning, I think I deserve the like. But guys, this is some big news out of HBARS. The HBAR Foundation has partnered with a carbon-based company, Impact X, and they're going to launch Asia's first digital carbon registry. Gonzo, I'm not a fan of this whole narrative, but I think it's something we're going to see more of going forward. I can't tell if his screen is frozen. So, Johnny, I'm going to kick it to you if his screen's frozen. Floor is yours. No, he's there. I'm there now. Sorry, I was frozen. So what's the question about HBAR? So HBAR uh, just launched their first carbon-based digital carbon registry on HBAR. And this is exciting oh, for okay. one reason alone. It's not that we like that they're tracking carbon credits. It's that we're seeing real-world use cases come to HBAR. How do you feel about this latest development? Yeah, you know, if you're an investor of HBAR, then then it, it it's a good thing, right? Like whether it's like we knew we were going to see this, whether like it was HBAR or even on the XRPL, um, we might even see this like in XDC where they're going to create some kind of uh, carbon market, right? Because that's the issue with these carbon credits thing, right? There's no there's no verification. There's no way to really like prove things. And so blockchain is set up perfectly to do that. Um, and so, you know, the more use cases that they build for HBAR where it's actually being used and, and it's being applied, uh, the better that's going to be for, um, for HBAR, the token, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Johnny Crypto, we got a couple of minutes left in the show and I got to get my way to Miami before this hurricane takes down my house. But I did want to just get a quick comment on what we saw from BitBoy yesterday. I got a private DM kind of elaborating on what went down in BitBoy will return from what I'm hearing. It's just a hiatus. It's not exactly what it appears to be on social media, but there's a couple interesting and unique aspects about what's going down. And I just wanted to send some love and high vibrations to BitBoy with everything that he's going through. I don't know him as a person. I've interviewed him a couple of times. He seems like a nice guy. He's got high energy. He's entertaining. So I don't know. There's a couple minutes left in the show. I thought maybe we could just have a positive discussion. Oh, listen, every time Big yeah. Boy's on here, he's been great on the show. <laughs> he's been great to us. And frankly, I, I never for a second thought Big Boy was going away. If you all thought Big Boy was going away, not going to happen. I mean, if he's not going to be on the Big Boy network or whatever they call it, he'll be on some other network and create his own thing. Um, the guy is, you know, got a, not, a lot of knowledge in the space. He's been here for a very long time. And a lot of people, you know, have followed him and like him. So I... We like him here. We don't have no problem. So he's welcome to come back on the show if we want. would love to have him on. But um, I think for him, yeah, absolutely. Sending him love, high vibrations to him, his family. And, you know, I don't know what's going on either, Abs. But nonetheless, uh, whatever it is, I wish him and his family the best. He'll be back for sure. And, you know, this whole community needs to stick together, you know, throw, throwing people out and all that, especially when people are down. Like the last thing you want to do when people are down is kick them and throw them out. You know, you really mm -hmm. want to try to help your friends when they're down and out, not, not boot them. So I don't know what's going on, but, but you know, Ben, you know, best wishes to you. Love your brother. Sending you love and high vibrations. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, Johnny, like he, Ben's been nothing but kind to me and everybody at hit network. Um, they're all really good guys. I'm sure whatever they had to do, they had to, but you got it right. We have to have everyone's back in the space and love Ben or hate him. He has done so much for crypto. Um, he has helped create so much mass adoption. Look at how, well, he has grown his own platform. So he's done a ton for the space and he's helped so many other creators with their platforms as well. So, you know what? I'm wishing him nothing but the best as well. 
Thank you, guys. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Gonzo. Thank you to Jenna. And thank you to Johnny Crypto himself. We got 386 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And tomorrow on the show, we got a great episode as Crypto Lulu is going to be stopping by. That's going to be a great one. But everybody, we'll see you guys in 23 hours. Have a great day. And like we always say, Warriors, rise. It's just together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go.